You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> hey friends, Michael McIntyre here. Listen, just before this podcast, I wanted to make an announcement, let you know that we have a next level experience coming in December 2nd through the 4th right here in Dallas, Texas. I know a lot of y'all been asking about when the next one is, and there it is, December 2nd through the 4th. Look, just go to themichaelmcintyre.com and click on the link for next level experience and you can apply cost you nothing at the end if you want to bless us paying it forward you're welcome to it's an intensive it's three days it's not a conference each day builds on the next day so it starts at friday december 2nd at 2 30 and goes to about 9 30 p.m saturday morning 8 a.m to about 9 30 p.m saturday night and then sunday 8 a.m to about 9 30 p.m that night it's intensive it's transformative it's It's Holy Spirit-filled. It's to take your life to the next level. It's for those people whose lives are working. You might be in between jobs, in between relationships, but you want to go to the next level. You have a burning desire to. So check it out at themichaelmcintyre.com. That's the next level experience, December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Apply now. Welcome to McIntyre's Next Level Podcast, a place for entrepreneurs, leaders, and dreamers to awaken and be activated to their full potential. Are you ready to get out of the boat and experience your next level? Here's your host, Michael McIntyre. Hey, welcome everybody. Michael McIntyre here, the most humblest host in the hosting of Next Level Experience, Next Level Podcast here at McIntyre. We're live here in Studio M in Big D, Dallas, Texas, and I've got a really cool brother in Christ, good-looking guy, all-around superhero, and my friend, and uh, we go back a little bit, and uh, I'm so proud to have you on this podcast, Mr. Patrick Nelson. Welcome, Patrick. The Studio M, I love that. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I this, love that. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of funny because I think, uh, I think probably a couple years ago, I think we had ba- you and Lauren on the podcast at one time. Uh, right when we first started our podcast, we came on there, and so it's been a little over two years, I think, since that happened, and so maybe even two years and four months, I'll have my fact checkers check that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, man, a lot has changed since then, huh, bro? Yes, a lot sure has changed, you know, and when I have her on, you know, her personality is so big and so huge. It's hard to like step back into this space without her. And I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? <laughs> you know, it's so you, she usually, if there's any dead periods or any quiet space, she fills those gaps in. She's really good at that. Um, but yeah, so it was well, it's an honor. We've known each other for what, five, six years now? Yeah, at least. I mean, Any I think more? we go back to Upper Room. Yeah. And uh, when you and Lauren showed up over at Upper Room, I think we started hitting it off and hanging out a little bit. And, uh, you know, you and I both have a passion for uh, hanging out and having a cigar and a scotch every now and then <laughs> and, 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 talking right. about, and talking yeah. about Jesus, which is always fun. Uh, yeah. And uh, we've got to travel some bit. So I know that uh, at one point, you know, you yeah you came to next level experience and then Lauren came in later and uh in fact you were so imp- we were so impressed by you uh we made you uh captain of the facilitators man i think you ran with that for gosh i don't know 18 months or so or maybe a little bit longer yeah a little over a year wow yeah, yeah and we traveled all over the place too didn't we yeah 
We did, man. That was some, that was some great times. And just the, the people that I got close to in that time frame, it's crazy because the personalities, you know, that were involved, everyone was so different. And yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, you can know and be acquaintances with anyone or you should be able to. But to be close to that level with what we were doing and how far we were going into people's lives and how much we were pushing into them and, and really wanting them to get the most out of their life, it's so intimate. You know, and so I, one of my, my favorite experiences is being that intimate, that close with people that I wouldn't have normally thought I would be. And it just uh, exemplified the body of Christ for me so much more. Yeah, it was really cool. And what was really good is that you really led the team so well. And I know, you know, you're you're a big time athlete, played college football and uh, almost went to the uh, NFL. And you've got that You've got that way of leading people, Patrick, which was really impressive. And yeah, we had some great laughs out there on the road and we had some great cries too. It was all good. Yes, we did. Um, but yeah, it was a great experience and you exemplified leadership in in the kingdom, and which was really cool. So let me let me and let me ask you a couple Thank questions because you. you know, you you've kind of gone, you know, I know that uh, at one point, you know, uh you were really big into uh, home development, home improvement, and you were big into that for a while. Uh, and then now, because, well, even before that, though, you had your, you, you all had your nonprofit in Haiti and uh, right. which was massive undertaking that you guys had for years. And uh, you and Lauren were operating this. Then uh, during COVID that kind of went away for a little bit. I know that you can't limit that, I think. And then, you were in the home improvement business doing massively successful in that. And now you've had another turn of events. And so I want in, into the, your, your, your foundation is called new fam, which means we are family and uh, which is an amazing nonprofit that you guys have in Haiti. And I want to share with our listeners and our audience, what that progression was and, and why did God lead you in that way and, and where you're at now with it? Cause I love this. Cause I'm really excited about yeah. our listeners in on what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And so I, I believe that we received, Laura and I, which is my wife, we received, I think, the calling of our lives very early in our life, uh, which is really rare. You know, I think sometimes people might think or get a glimpse or have an impression or think I might need to go this way or that way. But we were pretty clear as to what we were supposed to do with our lives very early on. And so for me, it was 23 when I'm literally living in Haiti. And so you're talking about a year removed from college. You know, the only job that I had before then was uh, I own my own personal training business because that's just made sense going from football and just like, I don't want to get a real job. So let me just teach people how to get fit. Right. So right. not that that's not a real job. But for me at the time, it was just more fun than anything else. Um, so we took the unconventional route when it comes to nonprofit or charity works. Most of the time, people are in much later years in their life. They're much more mature, have developed a network wealth, you know, all these things, even influence. And then they start a nonprofit, mm -hmm. right? And then they give back and then they be a philanthropist or whatever else that, that they may want to do. For us, it was fresh out of college with no networking, nothing, but it was just a dream and a vision that we know the Lord laid on our hearts. And we didn't realize at the time just what it was going to take, uh, the challenges, the trials that we're going to undergo in order to make this thing go, to sustain it. And it's been all him that sustained it. But, you know, just just taking on the brunt of the weight and everything that we've been doing over the years has caused just a lot of emotional 
turmoil, financial issues. And so I think the the time away was more in the COVID time. Just we have three kids. We've mm-hmm. gone after this nonprofit thing for a while. We've had some ups and downs with it. Um, and let me step into something that is important for our family and get some money, you know, for ourselves. And while I'm still leading up things over in Haiti, trying to do two things at once, COVID's going on. No one's really traveling much. A lot of issues going on in Haiti. We can't really go down there. So it just made sense to kind of focus on something a little bit different for a, a season and to heal and to recover, honestly, because doing work in Haiti, if anyone's ever done work in Haiti or any of those third world countries, it's a lot. It's a lot spiritually. It's a big investment. And so I just kind of needed time to recover from all of that. Yeah. And so now I'll step back into it. We've rebranded as of the last two years. We really feel like, you know, uh, God has used the last 10 years to mold us into actually carrying out the vision that he originally imparted into us. And I think that's kind of the the point of it all, right? The, the point of all the hardships wasn't just so, you know, uh, God had a purpose in it, you know, and, and the purpose was I put this vision on your heart, but I'm going to prune it. I'm going to test it to its proper time that you can actually be released and actually walk it out and carry it out. Good. And I believe that the things that we've overcome in our own personal lives has allowed us to actually release what God wants us to do. Good. So I, I love that. And I love your heart. And you're right. You're very, very young. You guys, uh, in fact, you and Lauren, I think, met in Haiti. Did you not? That's right. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, yeah. And you guys got married. And uh, so God, God really knit this whole thing together. All right. So <laughs> I, I, I want you to talk about uh, your, your orphanage there. I think that's what you call it, your foundation there in Haiti. Because uh, I hear stories. You you shared stories with Stacy and I over the years. And it's amazing what you guys do. And it's amazing the people that you guys have on the ground there. And and I know you get some benefactors that come in there and sometimes they're hit and miss. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not so great. And so, but you guys always keep yeah. faith. You guys always have the, you have the communication going. So tell, kind of give a picture of what it looks like for your, uh, your compound or your orphanage or what you have there in Haiti that you have on the ground there, what you guys yeah. are doing. Yeah. So we actually, when Lauren and I met in Haiti, we had just, I had just started the foundation just a year before. And so I moved down to Haiti. I'm there to get the lay of the land, learn the language a little bit. And I knew what I was wanting to do, but I also wanted to meet and learn and understand the people just a bit more. And so that's around the time early on where Lauren, my wife, comes down there and she's our first full-time missionary. And so she decides that she wants to get involved she actually thought of starting her own nonprofit, but then meeting us, she was like, you guys are doing the exact same thing that I want to do. Why don't I just, you know, save the, the issue of creating a nonprofit and just partnering with you guys. And so we actually find a situation, we find ourselves in, in a situation where we see uh, kids being trafficked and we mm. didn't have any resources or anything like that to actually do anything about it but we knew that we were supposed to. And so we ended up rescuing at the time, nine kids from sex trafficking wow. and bringing them into our house kind of tricked the, the, the owners of that establishment into thinking we're just going to take care of them medically because a lot of them were malnourished and sure. just uh, beaten and abused. And so mm-hmm. we're like, Hey, let's go take them to the hospital. We'll cover their medical expenses. And then, you know, we'll get them back up to snuff and then we'll bring them back. 
knowing full well we had no intentions of bringing them back. Absolutely. Um, so that came with a lot of pushback. Obviously, they threatened send gangs to our house. The police got involved. Corrupt police got involved, threatened to throw me in prison. And wow. even still, we're like, should we stick this out? Because now our lives are at stake. These kids' lives are at stake. And what are we going to do? And so we chose to stick with it. And we, we held on through all of what was coming at us. You know, and we we were smart. You know, we didn't let them know where we lived. We didn't let them know what was going on. Uh, but by the grace of God, like we were able to keep those kids from getting wow. back into that system. And wow. so now we we've grown from from nine originally to now having fourteen. We actually just took in two more kids this month. Um, and so we have two homes: one for boys, one for girls. Uh, a transition home for those who have aged out. We're helping them get some um you know some vocational training mm -hmm. finish their education uh learn responsibilities of what it is to be a man all those kind of things we have a leather goods business we we want to help prevent orphans from being created and that's really where my passion is and i know yeah. yours is business but for me i want to create businesses in haiti whether it's agriculture uh, artistry whatever it may be yeah. so the orphan crisis that can be prevented because moms and dads are giving their kids away because they can't provide for them, can be prevented through businesses, education, and we're doing all those things. I love that. All right. So you're doing, you're being the hands and feet of Jesus, obviously. I love this and I love your passion. And, and oh my God, do we need more people like you? Uh, all right. So what it would give us the typical age and how do you find these children? How do they find you? What's, what's that process? What's the on-ramping process, Patrick? Yeah, so we've actually been, um, we haven't taken a whole lot of kids because it is such a massive undertaking. And for us, like we're trying to figure out, there will come a time when we bring in a whole bunch of kids. We'll have hundreds and, and hundreds of kids because that will always be a need. Uh, but how do you do that in a way to where these kids feel like they're empowered and connected to a family uh, and so our goal is to not just bring in as many kids as possible but give them an example give them an atmosphere of family so we're keeping these homes limited to eight to nine kids we're giving caregivers and hoping that those caregivers don't leave you know we're trying to, to train them to where they can have secure attachments with these kids to where it feels more like family so and if you how, think about yeah. a foster care Go ahead. Yeah. No. In no. That, uh, what's the typical age? Yeah. So it ranges uh, anywhere from an infant six months on up to twelve or thirteen. Wow. And so we wow. constantly get parents knocking on our gate saying, "Hey, can you take take my kid?" Wow. And our first question is, you know, do you work? How many kids do you have? Um, and so, yeah, there, it happens very often because a lot of kids aren't born in the hospitals in Haiti. There's no record of them being born. Right. Where we got our kids from is the hospitals, the government doesn't have any record of them. So we created their, their birth certificate, gave a lot of them birthdays, gave some of them last names and middle names. And just like, how do you pick a birthday for a kid? That's just the most weird, weird thing. Wow. But because right, so, they're not born in an hospital, like yeah. they, their parents just sell them to whoever will pay them money for them. And mm. it's just really sad. All right. So they come in there. You get them from infant to 12 years old. That's crazy. Uh, all right. So you've got caregivers there and you've got people that you've worked with a long time. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And so these are trusted people that you because because you guys live here in Dallas. OK. And I know you go down to right. Haiti and I know you do stuff and you do Zoom and you got managers down there. So uh, so you've got people that you, you talk to. And how often are you in communication with these folks? Weekly. Yeah. Weekly. Yeah. We, we talk to them about what's going on. They give us updates. A lot of it is just them emailing us updates. We have my role while I was in Haiti is to train up those leaders. To, yeah. to do exactly what I was doing. So I don't have to micromanage them. We just get updates. We send them, here's where we're going with the organization. How do we make that happen? And so the, the, the investment is right now into our staff and our team so that when we get to a place where we can expand, that our Haitian staff mm-hmm. can be self-empowered to actually do that. Good. And so how long has this, uh, this new fam been around? Uh, it's, is it, I, when did you guys first start uh, the nonprofit agency? Yeah, so the nonprofit was founded in 2013. It was formerly named I Am Me. Uh, as of two years ago, we rebranded it to New Fam. We felt like it was more congruent with what our vision is, mm-hmm. which is creating and establishing a culture of family in everything we do. So good. New Fam as of two years ago, but our work has been going for for 10 years. Okay, good. That's awesome. All right, and so... Uh, I know when you guys go down there, I see the videos and it's amazing. These children are beautiful and they've got huge hearts and they're just happy. And, uh, you know, and, but some of them need help. Some not only medical help, but they need psychological help too. And I know you teach them Christianity and cause they, cause in the Haiti's got a kind of a voodoo weird kind of religion. Do yeah. they not? Yeah. Yes, they do. And, and so you kind of got to get that out of them. Correct. Mm-hmm. So what's that, what's that process look like? Uh, well, from our own experience, you know, when we first rescued these kids, Lauren, my wife, is actually affluent uh, or proficient, however you can say, in interpreting dreams. She dreams a lot herself. Mm-hmm. And so I remember very early on within the first couple of months of us having those kids, they would wake up with night terrors and scream. Mm-hmm. And what is so wild is that Lauren had happened twice, dreamt the same dream that those wow. kids were dreaming. Wow. And she was able to minister to them saying, hey, that dark force that you saw at the corner of your bed, here's what that is. Here's what it's trying to do. The mm-hmm. fi- the feeling you had on your chest, that was this. And, and here's what that's from. And here's how we overcome that. And so it's a lot. It was heavy. And then wow. from a psychological standpoint, when a kid is abandoned from their parents mm-hmm. and they're neglected with physical needs, like they're, being, they're malnourished, they're being abused. A lot of these kids were used in voodoo rituals. Mm. The the ability as a human to trust society and people and humans is severed. And so you have to come in and almost reattach almost like limbs to these kids and help them to walk again. And that's a long process, you know, and it's, it's still ongoing today, you know, yeah. to even have a kid talk about what's going on in their life, what's happening at school and open up and trust somebody with that information it's still a, a struggle to get them to open up. Yeah. I, I just, I, I just, it's, I, you know, I get emotional thinking about what these children have gone through. Cause it's just, it's so heartbreaking. And I just love that you guys are there and have a place, a sanctuary for them, if you will, uh, to where they can hear about Jesus Christ, hear about the gospel and, and, and also, you know, teach them these things. All right. So uh, one question that comes to mind, all right, what, 
transitioning. I know you spoke about transitioning. So, you know, so yeah, some yeah. of these kids come in there that I imagine, you know, in the last 10 years, you've had some kids come in there that were 15 years old or 13 years old, and they get to be 18, 19 years old. How do you transition them? And also, does anybody come in and to adopt these children? And what's that process if that happens? Yeah, so that, that transition looked like as soon as they turn 18, they age, they officially age out of the system. And so we had another facility in place. Uh, we had training programs in place, um, trade schools that these kids can go to. But for the kids that we've taken in, um, they are so far behind in school mm. that they are aged out kids, just finished high school at age 22, 23, 24 years old. I see. And so... So we want our kids that are a little bit younger to try to catch up a little bit. So by the time they're 18, they can be on track to maybe go to college, right. you know, do those sorts of things and, and just be on a better track for their life. And so that transition happens at 18 and we we have a facility and programs in place for them to be able to go from an orphanage home to taking care of their own life, which is very, very difficult. Um, and so we don't have the corner of the, of the market on that. We actually rely on other NGOs who are older than us. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's one of the most difficult things, too, is not just getting them attached to the people in your in your organization, but getting them released and to contribute to society. Right. Sure. Is is really, really huge, too. Sure. So, uh, yes, I can imagine. And so. Uh, all right. So let's say you have somebody come in that's, you know, you know, four months old or, or you know, six months old or two years old, do you ever have find families that want to adopt these children? And if you do, is it generally Haitian families or is it people from the United States of America or Germany or wherever? Uh, how does that process, if mm -hmm. any, does that take place? Yeah, so we haven't actually gotten in, into any adoption process right now. Uh, our goal really is to help establish a better Haiti. And so a lot of the kids that we get into our program, we want them, if their dream is to go to the States and they have a, a, a legitimate dream to be a doctor or lawyer, we don't want to discourage that. But our, our goal is to raise up young leaders that can go back to into their country and make change because this is a generational investment, yep. you know, so it can't be just Americans going down there, which is needed. Right. It's very much needed. People in this situation need a hand up like sure. they just wouldn't be able to rise without it just because of where they are. Um, so, no, I, I do think that eventually we will get into that for some medical cases, mm -hmm. you know, kids who need more care than what Haiti can provide, even psychological cases. Um, and so I, we, we will get into that, but we haven't done it yet. And uh, tell me about the government situation there in Haiti. I know you and I have had a, has had a few talks about that offline. And uh, I think it's really important for the leaders or for the listeners to hear uh, of the government situation. Because I know the United States have poured tons of money into Haiti, especially after the earthquake. Mm -hmm. And then you had the Clinton administration go down there, which I heard was, you know, partly a scam. And, uh, you know, I don't know. And so but you're on there. You live this. You breathe this. You eat this. Tell us tell us what's going on in Haiti right now, Patrick. Yeah. So right now, what you're seeing is a lot of political unrest that doesn't look like political unrest right now anymore. What it looks like is gangs have totally taken over the capital city, which is basically the predominant. It's almost half the entire nation's population is in one city. And so um, the gangs have taken over completely three, three fourths of the capital city has been overrun by the gangs. But how did that happen? How are these people who are living on less than two dollars a day have access to two thousand dollar firearms? 
mm. and ammunition and all this other stuff. They're right. getting handed these weapons, right? And so it started with back in the baby dock, you know, in, in the 1950s. If you don't know, if you don't know Haitian history, there's leaders who de- declared themselves dictators over the land mm-hmm. and, and started to corrupt the nation. A lot of firearms were given to the poorest of the poor and paid to cause havoc and riots in the streets so that the political party that's in office would look as if they don't have control. Mm. And so what happens when that started is it doesn't stop and it keeps going and it keeps going. And so now both parties are doing it. So that's just flooding the streets of extreme poverty with a lot of weaponry, you know? And so you're living on $2 a day. It's like, do I, do I starve or do I go and gangbang? and take control and have power. That's my only way to succeed in this life, to get out of survival mentality is to take it by force. So this and government so is, is games right now. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's yes, a corrupt government. So. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, now, you know, I've heard stories too, that, you know, parts of, you know, that, that I'm saying Haiti is beautiful, right? It has beautiful beaches. It's a Caribbean Island basically. Yeah. And you've got these beautiful, very you know expensive uh ships right cruise ships coming on one part of the island and people are yeah. having celebration and then just over the little mountain there there's extreme poverty i mean the dichotomy has got to be crazy right yeah and yes, so it is. yeah and so you know what what's what's the employment opportunity in haiti for these kids to come out of this and and out of sex trafficking or whatever what's the opportunity for them you know, to transition to getting something better, and how do you and that? You know, how how do those NGOs position them in that process? Because the the corruption's big, I know, but I you know, so there's got to be a way to help these these people come in through this process, right? Yeah, um, there's not much. There's not a big industry. There's not factories really in in Haiti. A lot of things that's being created or being imported from other nations, mm. which you know causes a lot of like. It's very expensive to buy a car in Haiti right now. And so a lot, a lot of these things are kind of done internationally. So that's why a big dream for a Haitian child, if they want to make it in their life, is to go to the Western world, Canada, America, wherever else, gotcha. and actually succeed. Okay. Uh, and so NGOs that are positioned to, like our vision is to create businesses there. And I believe the main thing needs to be agriculture because Haiti in the 1800s were not just Haiti, but the island of Hispaniola that shares with the DR was responsible for over half of the entire world's entire coffee production. Wow. And so the island has immense, immense potential when it comes to exporting goods, specifically coffee, sugarcane, and, and cocoa. Okay. And so we want to be able to provide these types of businesses that can help create trade and get people out of the major cities that are just overpopulated and there's nothing there for them anyways. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So capitalism can conquer this. Yes. So if you get, if you get some yes. people in here to start their coffee places, coffee beans, cocoa, sugar, what have you to where these, and, and you know, uh, I know at one point you guys were starting a, a, a small leather company and uh, uh, deal. And so we need more entrepreneurs to come into Haiti. Yes. And build up businesses. Yes. To where these kids, yes, some, Christ, some, some kingdom Christian entrepreneurs. So, uh, maybe right. somebody's listening out here says, hey, you know, maybe I'll go down there. Uh, how is it getting in and out of Haiti right now? 
as I got a video last week from one of our directors in Haiti of a flight that came in from the States from Fort Lauderdale and it had one passenger, Oh my! God. one passenger. Oh man. And, uh, one passenger. And so people that are Haitian are going back right now. And people who are American or NGOs are, there's some that are hunkering down and staying in, in Haiti and doing good work. Um, but we are actually moving six hours North of Port-au-Prince to cap Haitian to get out of all the madness that's happening in Port-au-Prince so that we can take direct flights to Haiti. I got um, you. It's crazy how much, almost all of the issues that's going on in one city. You go to the rural areas of Haiti, you're not seeing all of the violence. You're still seeing poverty, but all of the violence just isn't there. Right. And so we're, we're moving out so we can actually start coming back to Haiti. So you can take a flight from Fort Lauderdale or Miami into Haiti now, yes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's two places you can fly into. Okay. And what is it? A two hour flight, three hour flight? Yeah. From Miami or Fort Lauderdale, it's about an hour and a half to two hours. Okay. All right. And so, so it's right in our back door. And I remember you telling me, you said, McIntyre, if you come down there, there is a decent hotel you can stay at, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 There are a lot of nice hotels. You know, yeah. right along the beach, you know, there's some resorts. The DR definitely far outweighs Haiti when it comes to that for obvious yeah. reasons. But right. there are some nice places to stay. All right. So now if 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 one of our listeners uh, here has a heart for this, for this orphanage and, and for the, for your work there uh, in yeah. Haiti, how do they get a hold of you guys? How do they how do they what how can they donate money? What do you need? Yeah. So I think the best way to just hear a little bit more about who we are and what we do and how to get involved. Our website is newfam.org and it's spelled n-o-u-f-a-m.org so that word new is a haitian creole word for we or we are and so fam is just obviously just just means family so newfam.org and there's a donate button on there you can click about us and learn more sponsor a child eventually we're going to start bringing trips down to haiti in the next probably few months so starting in 2023 in, in january we'll start doing trips so that's a great way to come if you're kind of hesitant, like before I give, let me see what it's like. Let me see what's going on. Let me see what you guys are doing. Definitely come on down. We'd love to have you. That's awesome. That's really good. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Uh, so yeah, so go there. Listen, these I know Patrick and Lauren. I've station. I've known them. We ministered with them. We've coached them. Uh, they are true believers, and uh, they are making a difference in Haiti, man. Listen, open up your wallets, give them, throw, give them something. Whether it's five dollars or fifty thousand dollars, they can use it, and it'll go for something really, really good. These people, uh, Amen. they need more Jesus down there. Yes, and I know you need some resources. How many managers do you guys have? Well, tell me about your staff that you have there in Haiti. Yeah, so we have two directors, one main executive director who's over all the operations there. You talk to him and he sounds like he's American. He's even yeah. cultured, like it's crazy, you know. Yeah. And then we have a director over our, our kids' home and then we have a director over all of our other staff, you know, that is kind of the, the liaison and make sure everything is going well with them. And then you have your caregivers. We have, uh, you know, mentors and we have tutors for our kids and kids in the surrounding area. We bring coaches and teachers in to run like camps in, in the summer, whether it's sports or arts or whatever. So we have uh, 18 full-time staff members in Haiti right now. And with our leather goods business, we have three. Good. That's awesome. All right. Now, who's teaching them about Jesus down there? Who teaches them? 
Yeah, so our main director is Anthony Charles. He is the best personality, the best guy you would ever meet. I actually want him to come and do Next Level. Awesome, We've actually man. talked about that a, a yeah. few times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's phenomenal teacher. He's extremely energetic. The kids are getting a little older for him. So he's used to like the five, six, seven-year-old <laughs> kids that he can be high energy. Yeah. So he's trying to figure out how to connect with the teenagers now. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's phenomenal by Bible teacher, but also just leader. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that these kids are learning about Jesus and and getting new hope and new yeah. faith in that process. That's really cool. All right. So yeah. uh, you, as you know, Patrick, you've heard uh, our podcast before. So let me ask you this. You've been on it before. What what Bible verse are you sitting on right now, if any, and why? And any interesting books that you happen to want to share with our listeners? Yeah. So um, interestingly, I'm in Revelation. Uh, and so there's this one specific part in Revelation 1 where it says that Jesus is the first, the last, and the living one. Mm. And that's specifically bringing me a lot of encouragement right now because as believers, you know, we're not like the non-believers in the world that are going after their ambitions and their businesses where most of the time they look to the future, mm. right? Or they're just one-sided. And then whatever you feel about your future is what you feel now. If you feel anxious about your future, you feel anxious, you feel, you feel fearful, you feel hopeful. That's your kind of one thing. But in Jesus, we can look to the future and see his promises, Come right? On. And believe that. We can look into our present and see that he's Emmanuel, God with us. We can look to our past and see not just what he's done for us, but for Moses, for right. Jacob, for Isaac, for, for David, for Joseph, who is my favorite. Yeah. But it says that he's the first, the last, and the living one which is crazy that everything that we could have ever experienced in the past, he's been there, done that, can encourage our hearts. And he's a living one now with us in our midst, but he's also the last, right? And so everything is unto him and he knows everything that we're going to face, everything that we're going to walk through. So we get to live our life comforted by the present, encouraged by the future, and we get to remember all that he's done in the past. And it's just so, 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 so special. Come on, preacher. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. What what, uh, what book you sit on or what book have you read that's interesting lately? Uh, yeah. So I read a C.S. Lewis book, one of the first books that I've read of him since high school. And it was a book called The Great Divorce, wow. uh, which was a very interesting take on. I don't know if it was his take or just a creative take on the transition from living into the afterlife. And what all goes on with that, and and um, it's a lot. It's biblically based, but there are some controversial uh, ideas that he <laughs> talks about with heaven and hell. Yeah. Uh, so it just was thought provoking. Wow. You know, and I cool. just took it on, and and somebody told me to read it, but hey, before you read it, make sure you know just be prepared. There's some really strange things in there, but <laughs> it, it's thought provoking, and it and it and it helped me to process things with the Lord and and re research scripture, and it's good to be challenged in Come ways on. that. You've totally. always been told this thing about God and it's all we focus on, even politically, right? This yeah. is all that we look at, all that we feed ourselves. Right. So it just was a good challenging book, but also a fun read too. It's good. It's awesome. All right. I, it sounds really thought-provoking book. Uh, all right. So you should read uh, it. What, what, <laughs> what, one of the things that uh, maybe some of our uh, <laughs> listeners who don't know you, don't know about you, uh, you've been a very successful model, have you not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was years ago. Yeah. I think that was before kids. Um, but, uh, I, was, I did a little big and tall modeling 
And um, I wanted to do other things, but being six foot six, 260 pounds, I mean, just kind of cornered into one area. So, yeah, so I, I actually want to get back into that. Well, you can do it. You look good, bro. And, you look really good. Yeah. I know you had an injury uh, about a year or so ago and you put on some LBs, but you've shed that off, man. You had you had some corn rolls going, which looked really good. I saw them on your Instagram, man. You're looking fine, bro. You're like you're like working oh, it. Thank man. you, man. <laughs> looking work it. So, uh, how do how can people find you on Instagram and and your social media? Yeah, so my Instagram handle is is uh, Chuko C H U K O underscore that V E T. So it's all Haitian related. I won't get into the explanation of it, but Chuko underscore that is my Instagram handle. Uh, you can follow us on there. Our our nonprofit handle is underscore new fam if you want to follow us there cool yes we absolutely do all right my man well listen patrick uh you and lauren are total <laughs> next level you've got beautiful children uh you guys walk the walk and uh and you guys just make it happen i'm so proud of you guys showing up big out there in haiti for these children that need jesus that need to be uh taken out of that 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 trafficking nightmare and uh off that voodoo and give them some gospel and give them some new testament and old testament and so you guys are making it happen Amen. listen listeners open up your hearts open up your uh checkbook open up that uh your paypal or whatever you got pull out that visa just bless this family bless this organization they need your help they really do and they're doing his work out there and look some of you never will go to haiti and that's fine but you can still give them some money to help them and help one of these children out there and even if it's just you're helping just you know uh, a small group of people it's still people they they matter they're god's children and it matters in a big way yeah give us some that's final right. word give us some final words on here patrick before we close this out bro yeah, um, I'd say, you know, when, when you feel like the Lord has put something on your heart for you to do, something that's purpose related, something that's kingdom related, it's a big deal. And it matters more to him than it does to you. Right. And so that means that he's going to do more than you could ever ask, think or imagine. So even though it feels like the fire is hot and heavy, you know, and it's getting warm, you know, it becomes more like a, a sauna and then it comes more like a burning furnace. He's right there with you. Come on, and, baby. Uh, right? Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he's right there with you, and he will pull you out, pull you through. You will prevail. Amen, will prevail. amen, amen. Hey, listen, Patrick, you, you, I, I miss your preaching, boy. You are good. You bring back some major memories from Next Level Experience, my man. Well, God bless you. Tell your, tell your beautiful it. wife I said hey, and uh, we love you, and uh, God bless you, and God bless New Fam and this Haitian community. In Jesus' name, amen. Cheers, bro. Amen, amen. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Next Level Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. For more resources to help you maintain your next level life, join our community at themichaelmcintyre.com.